0: One of these names is a seed. It's a seed that gets planted. And uh, Sri Ramakrishna, who was a great saint in the 1800s, he said this. Every repetition of one of these names, so-called names of God, whatever that might be, is a seed that gets planted in our hearts, so to speak, or in our karmic flow and um, eventually all these seeds will start to grow when the right causes and conditions arise just like you plant a garden or, or a field it needs rain it needs water it needs fertilizer it needs the right stuff causes and conditions right so this is like that Then Ramakrishna goes on to say that these seeds get caught by the wind and they get carried, uh, by the wind and they land on the roof of an old house in the jungle. And back in the 1800s in India, some of those roofs were made from clay tiles, right? That were just baked in the sun. They weren't, they weren't, uh, what do you call it? Whatever, right. So the seeds would get caught between the tiles on the roof of this house. And then over the years and years of rain and wind and sun and all that stuff, the tiles would begin to break down and soften, right? That's when the seeds would begin to grow. That's when the causes and conditions were right. Right. So those seeds would begin to grow. And as they grew, the roots started to grow and they destroyed the roof of the house. You know, you've seen that in an old house, especially down here where there's a lot of humidity. Stuff starts to grow, a house is abandoned and it starts, you know. So the seeds that we planted of the repetition of the name start to take root, the roots start to grow and they destroy the roof of the house. And they keep growing, and they wind up destroying the walls of the house. Ramakrishna said, that house is who we think we are. Recognize who that is? Who we think we are? Me. Me is who we think we are. When you say, I'm me, or you look in the mirror and you say, I gotta sit. That's me. That's really me. (laughs) But, so, the seeds of the repetition of the name grow and they destroy the roof of the house and the walls of the house. And what's left? Everything. Right. Not nothing. Everything. The walls and the roof separated inside from the outside. You from you, from you, from you. All the little houses. Right? (laughs) And then we've become, actually we haven't changed at all, but we've The temporary separation, which is something a house is built, right? There was nothing there before somebody built it. It's It's a space inside that's separated from the outside. We live inside those houses, most of our lives, if not all of our lives, and not all of our lives after lives after lives. We keep creating new houses for ourselves our karmas do, even if we don't want to because we don't have the strength, the understanding and the techniques or tools to stop creating me-ness. Everything you want, everything you don't want, your history, your fantasies about the future, what you're gonna eat? What you like? What you don't like? What you're gonna watch on TV? What kind of car you like? What kind of woman you like? What kind of man you like? It just goes on and on and on, and there's nothing you can do about it. Where is it that you can shoot it and kill it? Right? Where's that thought? I don't know where it come from. Where to go? So you can, so to speak, cure that type of behavior on the same level that it exists. So what do we do? We plant seeds when we remember the seeds of the name or the seeds of spiritual practice that will grow and eventually as causes and conditions arising create the right conditions. They'll grow and they'll, 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 uh, disappear this false temporary me cos me is a construction of stuff right the walls the roof the refrigerator the fancy toilet japanese toilets are amazing that's all me and there's really you know why should we worry about that well we don't have to the problem is me hurts Me hurts. Not only does me hurt me, but me hurts other people too. Because if I want food, that means somebody else can't get it. So I'm going to grab it and hold on to it and protect it. Because I believe, me believes that happiness is in limited quantities. And if somebody else has it, it means that I don't get it. So I'm going to grab and hold on to whatever makes me happy. <sighs> you know, doesn't really work. Because he died, unfortunately. So no matter how much shit you're holding on to, it doesn't last. Me never lasts. But what was in that house and what was outside of that house when the walls are gone is complete open presence, being, love, truth. God, possibly. Buddha nature, the, tr- the self, the soul. I-ness, beingness. That was the space in the house, and the space outside the house are the same, They're space, only separated by the walls of me. And there's really nothing wrong with that except that Nothing is ever enough for me. I always want more or less. I want more good stuff, more pleasure, and less pain. But me doesn't know how to deal with that, and there's nothing me can do about that. We have to plant the seeds of love, of kindness, of compassion, of caring, when we remember it to plant. If we don't plant those seeds, where would they come from? Hmm? Anybody have an answer to that? Where would they come from if we ourselves don't plant the seeds? That's the good news and the bad news. We have to do it. If we don't do it, nothing's going to happen. Next. But for some reason here we are thinking about this stuff right now maybe we're not going to get this opportunity to get together again maybe we won't have another opportunity to run into the dharma in this life who knows what's going to happen so when we remember let's plant some seeds of our own happiness at least and then we can maybe think about other people when we don't have to be so needy ourselves. Because if we're depending on other people and outside things to make us happy, like in a relationship, if you think that person that you're in a relationship with is going to make you happy, then that person has to behave just the way you 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 need them to behave, so you'll be happy. Who could do that? It's an impossible task, although we do try all the time. So so that's what spiritual life is about. It's not about finding some blissful, happy little state that you can live in and that will never be challenged by other people or the outside world. That's impossible. I mean, it's, it's possible to do that temporarily. Or maybe 20 or 30,000 years. But then it ends. What good is it if it ends? I have a really low tolerance for suffering. I don't like it. I don't like unhappiness. I don't like it. I, I've been living there my whole life. I don't like it. I don't want to find someplace else to live. But how do you do that? You have to plant the seeds. And guess what? If we're here now, isn't this also, doesn't this also have to be the result of seeds we ourselves have planted in the past? What else could it be? There's no mistakes, I don't think. They say there's none. They know who they are, so they say things. So this moment is a result of seeds that we ourselves have planted sometime. or we couldn't be here. All of us. Me too. That's good. So... So we have to do some practice. Whatever that means to you, to each one of us, something has to be done. You know, we're floating down the river towards the rapids. And we're looking at the bank of the river. And we think the bank is moving and we're still. So we make no effort to get to the bank. And then... Over the waterfall. Next. Mm -hmm. The clock is running. It's running, I'm sorry. It's running. So let's do what we can to get here. Now, fear doesn't help either. If things we do out of fear, that's also... Because the most important thing when you plant these seeds is why you plant the seeds, and your so-called intention. Right. If you plant the seeds to protect you from something, then you're really building a wall. And then it's like throwing a seed out into the concrete and gets blown away into the street and never gets to take root. So our intention, why we want to do these practices is very important. But still, we have to be ourselves. We have to be real. Let's, let's, we can't be somebody else. We can't be all holy and everything if that's not who we really think we are. Like me. You can't be somebody else. I've tried. I was going to call my book, uh, A Failed Life, <laughs> but nobody got it. Even you didn't get it. And the thing was, I failed because I tried to be everybody else except me, and I failed. At least I can still have coffee. (laughs) So we have to start where we are. There's really, there's no sense trying to fool yourselves, fool ourselves. (laughs) What are we doing? Why? You know why would we bother fool ourselves? Well, we're trained to do that first of all. Which, especially if you were born on Long Island like me, definitely trained to fool yourself. Nobody on Long Island is here at all, <laughs> except somebody's here. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, my guru. They, somebody wrote. About Maharaji. He said, Maharaji is nothing special, but his body fills the universe. There's no limits, no limitation, only openness. Only vast presence, vast space, inside of which everything else exists. Right now, we're sitting in space. Physically, we're actually sitting in space. We're sitting in the space of this room, which is in the space of the universe. You know, it's just a lot of empty space, kind of floating. It's only gravity that keeps us here. Gravity is a physical thing, but there's a, there's like a, a an inner gravity that keeps us that keeps our stuff orbiting around me, the planet of me. No planet, the stuff just floats away. Planet, we wake up in the morning and we start writing, producing, directing, and acting in the movie of me. All day long. All life long. Me, 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 me. I want this, I want that, but they think this, they like that. What'll I wear? What'll I go? What'll I do? (sighs) And we never seem to get tired of the same old stories over and over. And then we make the movie and we write reviews, (laughs) which we read and get depressed and start it all again. It never ends. So we have to plant those seeds. We have to plant those seeds. And you don't plant the seed and then, look. Dig it up to see if it's growing. No. You plant the seeds and then you live your life. You don't wait to see if it's growing, you know. Plant the seeds and you live your life. Do your practice. Find out what practice is. Find out what it means. Find out what you can do to help yourself wake up. Become a real, complete human being. Then do it. But don't think about it all the time. Nothing is more useless than thinking about shit. Does not work. Doesn't help. Thinking, 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 thinking. You can't think yourself out of a prison that's made of thought. Every thought is a prison. Because we identify with it. It limits us to that Yeah, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm really great. You know, it's all stuff we identify with. So it's a prison. You can't think yourself out of a prison that's literally made of thought. So practices help us, train us to release thoughts, to release heavy emotions, to constantly come back from being gone in dreamland all day long. And it's good. It's a wonderful thing. (sighs) But don't think you're gonna push a button and everything's gonna change. Real change is under the radar. You don't get to write about it in your diary. Real change happens while you're busy living your life, you wind up spending less and less time in uh, in negative, heavy states of mind, thinking about yourself all the time. It just happens. And if you look back, you can kind of see how you've been living. And you might notice that the things that used to bother you just don't bother you the same way. And the places you used to go you're just not interested in it anymore. It's not like anybody told you you can't do that. But you've changed somehow when you weren't looking. Because you can't see those changes because it's the the evaluator who's getting thinner and thinner and more transparent through practice. Boy, this is heavy. I thought this was all about love. Real love is big time, you know. You can't manufacture it, you can't manipulate it, you can't force it, but we can uncover it in our own hearts, in our own lives, because it's covered up, that's all. It's here. Because we're here and we are that we are that love underneath who we think we are is who we really are and that is love unconditional the full time 24 7 365 everywhere everybody's included that kind of love So when we're not busy thinking that we are who we think we are, which we're pretty busy most of the time, we can touch that thought. We can become aware of it. (laughs) But it's not a button you push and it doesn't come from somebody else. Hmm. you want to ask some questions, or are you too scared, <laughs> now that I've brutalized you? Okay, hold on, let me, let me get the mic. Raise your hand, we need a mic, because I'm deaf and everybody has to hear. We preach love, and we really want what you just mentioned, the world to have all this love. Mm-hmm. Why is there so much hate? Because nobody's looking for love. People are, people are trained. The world trains us to look outside of ourselves for stuff. You know, are we fighting a war between love and hate? Well, I don't know about a war, but real love doesn't fight with anything. First of all, real love encompasses everything and. Uh, holds everything in that love it's it's the egos in the world with the fear and the greed and the selfishness it's the belief that you know happiness and and love and if you get enough stuff and build big enough borders to protect yourself from other people from stealing your stuff taking your stuff then you'll feel good but nobody ever feels good for long. But that's called understanding that is wisdom. And that's in short supply. And uh, I don't know if it was Martin Luther King or Gandhi who said, you know, you can't create love from hatred so or anger. So it's very subtle. We have people who want to do good in the world, but they're angry. What can come from that? Except more anger. You know, there was a famous rock musician who wanted to do good. He was—he created a whole like movement, and he wanted to. Uh, they were going to confront the, the the. What do they call it? The the meeting of the eight countries financial meeting or something. He's, somebody knows what it's Ga, is. huh? The G O, yeah. So he was all ready to have this big uh, confrontation with them and a big march on the thing. And just before, the day before, a bomb goes off in the, the underground in London and everything was shut down. No confrontation, no rally, no protests. Everything was shut down. I can't say that his anger, he's a very angry guy. I can't say his anger made that bomb go off But the situation was such that he couldn't do what he wanted to do, even though his motive was good. But there was so much violence under it that, in some sense, it the whole atmosphere created that bomb at that moment. You know what I'm saying? So he couldn't do what he wanted to do. So if you're trying to manipulate and change, a person is just going to back off and protect themselves. But when you love somebody, when you love them by accepting who they are and seeing, and then you have you kind of try to look at them and you see that their actions, what what's behind their actions, the fear, the unhappiness, you know, that's behind the the violence and the hatred, then you can't you kinda of, your heart just the natural effect is compassion arises naturally you don't have to make it happen but when it's like when you say you work in an office and there's this one guy in the office who's always cranky and doesn't look at everybody and he never looks at you and you always think well why doesn't he like me you know then somehow you find that he's got a brain tumor you know that immediately you see you've been taking something personally that isn't directed at you but we all do this all the time So that's one of the things, that's that's something that will go as we quiet down and open our own hearts. Then we won't, we'll give somebody a break before we have that reaction, you know, to fight back or take it personally. We're going to wait, there's some space in it. We might get a vote as to how we react. But that only comes from practice, a lot of practice over time. And, and also really wanting to figure it out, you know, to, to, to wanting to manifest it. You know, I often realize that uh, people on the road, you know, road rage, people that are angry, I have visualized, I've actually said to myself, I wonder what's wrong with that person before, mm-hmm. I, even, before I even judge them. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something going on there maybe this person just needs a hug yeah well I had to take the shotgun out of my car (laughs) because one of these days I was going to shoot somebody you know no, I don't have a shotgun but you know now my practice is when I drive I try to remember that every driver on the road is his holiness the Dalai Lama and if his holiness wants to cut me off please your holiness. You want that parking space? Yeah sure take it. <laughs> you know because I don't you know, you know it's like oh so I tried that's my practice now. Everybody's his holiness the Dalai Lama every driver in the universe is. It's just one of those ways you try to short circuit those <clears throat> those uh, knee-jerk reactions. It's not enough to think about the stuff because that doesn't get to the knee jerks practice training daily practice even if it's just a little every day trying to remember to remember to look that starts to soften those knee-jerk reactions because we don't get a vote over those somebody looks at you weird and you're just like ready to kill them that's better than actually killing them but it's not quite good enough you know Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always work. No. Hardly ever works. But little by little, we start to give ourselves a little bit of a break. And when we can give ourselves a little break, then we might be able to give somebody else a break, a real break, not just pretend break. Like, hi, honey. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'll take the trash out again. It's like we, you know, it it moves outward once it's there, once it's real. You can't manufacture it, but as a practice, you can remember that every driver is His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and even if he cuts me off, he doesn't mean me any harm. You know, it's a whole thing to recognize that even people who think, who want to hurt us, it's not us they're hurting. It's, it's, it's who they're seeing us as, which is their own reality. It's not my reality. They're not, they don't want to hurt me because they don't see me. They see their version of me. And everybody does that. Everybody in this room is seeing their version of everybody else in this room. But we've agreed that for two hours, our versions will be very nice. Mm-hmm. And after that, God knows what's going to happen. You know, philosophically, from an Eastern standpoint, there's only one of us in the universe. Maharaj used to go like this, so we'd look at him like, "What?" You know, because we knew he knew everything. So we think, "What is he busting me for?" You know, something I did, something I'm thinking about doing, or something I'm gonna do. You know. So we said, "Baba, what does it mean when you do this?" So he went. What? He said, many names, many forms, all one. All one. The same whatever that's looking out of my eyes is looking out of your eyes. The, the, the whatever is the same. What interprets what whatever sees, that's you and me and every individual thing. But the looking, the seeing, or the hearing, the feeling, not the interpretation of it, but the awareness is the same in every being in the universe. That's our true nature. So if we're all one on the deepest level, if one person is suffering, we're suffering. So they call this the bodhisattva vow. The Bodhisattva is a great being who doesn't really need to be here anymore. They have no personal agenda. They don't need anything from this world. They don't, they're not looking for happiness. They already found everything they need. They found it inside, but they become aware that other beings don't know that. And so since we're all one, they recognize that they will never truly be free, truly free until all of us are free. So. They take a vow to not so-called disappear into whatever that is, but to remain here in this world so we can see them, so we can get a taste of that, so we can touch it and feel it and maybe meet it in the street. Because if you don't taste it, we don't know what it is. We could talk about sugar all day long, but until you taste it, You're in good shape. (laughs) Once you taste it, you're fucked. It's diabetes forever.